the afternoon, I, this afternoon I preach to you the word of God as our Lord Jesus taught us in Matthew 6, verse 10b, which is a part of the Lord's Prayer, where he teaches us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And also as we confess this truth in Lord's Day 49 of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 49 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Here the church confesses, what is the third petition? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is, grant that we and all men may deny our own will and without any murmuring obey your will, for it alone is good. Grant also that everyone may carry out the duties of his office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the parable of the two sons hits home for many of us. The clear message that actions speak louder than words is well known to us. Although both sons show disrespect to their father in different ways, the parable shows the great value of having the courage to repent, to change our mind when we disobey God's will. With this parable, Jesus calls all men to obey God's will and to repent when we don't, so that in Christ's blood we may enjoy peace with God once more. Jesus told this parable after his triumphal entry because the Jews were refusing to submit to Jesus Christ even though he was healing the blind and the lame right before their very eyes. Although they did not believe that John had the divine authority to seal people's repentance with the sign of baptism, they were so concerned what people thought of them, they refused to state what they believed openly. They paid lip service to the crowds, but they were not concerned about doing the will of their Father in heaven. Jesus makes it clear for them that believing in John's message about Jesus Christ is doing God's will. The Father commands his children to enter the kingdom, enter the vineyard, and the Son stands at the gate calling them to come through him so that the Spirit may guide them to serve God in his kingdom. It's only by believing in Jesus Christ and so sharing in his obedience which he had displayed so clearly in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's only through this that anyone can be considered an obedient son who has been adopted as God's child. When we read this parable today, we are not outside of the kingdom of heaven like the people Jesus was talking to when he first spoke this parable. Since being a member of Christ's church is like being a part of his body, God already treats us the same as he treats his son, Jesus Christ. Yet Jesus' parable remains important for us because after the Lord set us free from condemnation and wrath, he still calls us to a life of obedience that is worthy of our office and calling. Our Father calls us to work in his vineyard. And with the third petition, we pray that 
we may be obedient children, not because God or his work depends on it, not because our relationship to God as our Father depends on it, but because we love God and we love to see his name exalted. And I preach to you this gospel under the following theme, the sovereign Lord has given us our office and calling. We'll see that Jesus taught us to pray that we might discern God's will, delight in God's will, and do God's will. The father in Jesus' parable had clear instructions for his sons. Whether the father owned the vineyard or was a regular worker in the vineyard, he was responsible to get some work in the vineyard done. The father decided that his sons should be given some responsibility. And he said to his two sons, one after the other, go and work in the vineyard today. Their father had given them a command. And Jesus focuses our attention on this clear command as it relates to God's will in our lives. In his explanation after the parable, Jesus explains that there is a connection between the vineyard in the parable and the kingdom of God. In this way, Christ makes it clear that the sovereign Lord calls us to a specific office and calling in his kingdom, just as the father in the parable called his sons to work in the vineyard. And so we ask, what is our office and calling in this world? What is my office and calling in this world? What should I do with my life after I graduate? Is my present vocation or job the office and calling that God wants me to be busy with? As God's children, we constantly pray that we may know what our office and calling is, that we may discern God's will for our lives. And in the first place, then, we thank the Lord, that just like the father in the parable, he has made many things about our office and calling very clear in his word. We are called by God. We are called God's children in Jesus Christ. We are Christians who have been anointed by Christ's spirit to be prophets, priests, and kings who serve as the Lord's ambassadors in the world. We also know that the time that the Lord has given us on the earth is to be used in service of our eternal king and his kingdom, both today and forevermore. In the parable, the sons were called by their father to be useful in the vineyard and not to cause harm. Not every office and line of work gives glory to our king. And as we discern God's will for our lives, we also recognize that there are some limitations. There are some things we should not do. And finally, God has made it clear that he wants us to be guided by his Ten Commandments in a life of sanctification. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18 says, Rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, and giving thanks in all circumstances. There is no question that the Lord has made our office and calling clear. 
We are called to love God, to love his church, to love our neighbor. At the same time, all the details are not worked out for each of the sons in Jesus' parables. Jesus' parable. Although God clearly states that we must obey him as we do things that glorify his name and his kingdom, you would be very hard-pressed to find a statement in the Bible that will tell you what God wants you specifically, you can put your name there, what he wants you to do with your time every day. There are different useful things that the sons could have done in the vineyard, and all of them could be found within God's will and the will of their father. And so from this place of comfort and assurance, God gives every person the freedom to assess which likes, skills, and gifts God gave them when he made them as individuals in this creation, and to assess what opportunities God in his providence granted to each one of us in our time and our location in history. As Jesus teaches in another parable, rather than resent the freedom that God gives to us, and so burying our talents and our fear of an imaginary, harsh, and critical God, we are called to be faithful with the little we have or if the abundance that we have and to use our talents for the glory of God. As citizens of God's eternal kingdom, we are not bound by the expectations of the crowd. And whether we focus on one calling our whole life or move around and try many different things, there are many excellent ways to serve in God's kingdom and remain in his will. The third petition that Jesus taught to us includes the request to our Father for his guidance in discerning his will for our lives. And so we are praying that first of all, we may submit to Jesus Christ as our Savior. This is what Jesus was teaching the Jewish leaders. This is what we pray for all men. With faith in Jesus Christ, we also ask that we may obey God's commandments, that we may know and understand his commandments. These commandments reveal God's will concerning how we must live in our redeemed life. They show us what it means to be a prophet, priest, and king, a Christian, in whatever chosen vocation we may be in. And finally, we ask God to help us to recognize our talents and the gifts that he has given to us as individuals so that we may be helpful servants in God's kingdom. We pray that we may fulfill our chosen vocation and profession with wisdom, with that eternal perspective, and with love in whatever office or position God has given to us. And once we have discerned God's will for our own particular lives, we pray, secondly, that we may be willing to fulfill our office and calling. God, Jesus taught us to pray that we might delight in God's will. In the parable that Jesus told, 
Both sons showed by their first reactions that they did not delight in their office and calling at first. The first son was honest and refused. The second was dis, a dishonest people pleaser who promised action and did nothing. The first son is like the tax collectors and prostitutes that Jesus spoke about afterward, whose former lifestyles represented an outright rejection of God's law, which kept them outside of the kingdom of God. The second son, who said the words that a father might like to hear, was like the chief priests and the elders of the people who were more focused on the approval of others than on obedience to the Father in heaven. Both of them began their lives by putting their own wills and their own desires before the will of their Father in heaven, even though they knew God's will very well because he had proclaimed it to them, confirmed it for them with miracles. Jesus' parable in this way has a clear call for all those who are outside the church. And if you are such a person listening today, the Lord Jesus is calling you to hear the voice of God, to repent of your disobedience to him, believe in Jesus Christ as your only Savior, and submit your lives to God's commands to truly love him and your neighbor as yourself. In Jesus' parable, the first son repented of his wrong attitude. He changed his mind. In this way, the first son is like every Christian who leaves a life of disobedience, who receives the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ, and who enters into the service of God in his kingdom. And as we think about what kind of change that would bring to the life of a tax collector or a prostitute, we realize that entering God's kingdom comes with a significant change of lifestyle that is only possible with a genuine change of heart. Entering God's kingdom comes with a significant change of lifestyle that is only possible with a genuine change of heart. The tax collector would have to delight more in loving God and his neighbor than in loving money. The prostitute would have to find more delight in trusting in God and in his church in a life of purity than in depending on dishonorable and hurtful means to survive and find satisfaction. Obedience that is complete and pleases God begins first of all in our hearts and in our attitudes. And a decision about what we will find delight in. Obedience that pleases God is delighting in the office and calling that he has given to us. As our Lord Jesus himself said, that it was his food, his delight, his, his nourishment, his food, to do the will of him who sent him. And in the third petition, Jesus teaches us to pray for a good attitude about our office and calling. 
and to desire that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God created us to delight in our own office and calling so that we can work in harmony with everyone around us with the same willingness as the angels in heaven. Led by the Holy Spirit, we pray that we may find delight in our calling as Christian parents, children, students, laborers, professionals, or whatever we are busy with through the day. Because he knows that the seeds of discontent and bitterness that the devil often sows can quickly distract us and lead us away from that focus on God's will. And you know what I mean, don't you? Even though we know in our heads that God's will alone is good, and we know that his commandments are holy, and that he is good and wise and a loving king of an eternal kingdom, we still often find ourselves protesting and murmuring like the Israelites craving the vegetables they ate in their former days of slavery, we often find our hearts longing for the sinful things we used to do before we grew in sanctification. So though we may obey outwardly, we decry our task and we murmur. We murmur like the people of Israel who longed for a king like the other nations instead of seeing the glory of the king of kings. We often imagine that the devil and the world can give us more joy than God himself. And so we act like those kind of people on a diet who murmur about every change that needs to be made because deep in our hearts, deep in their hearts, they don't enjoy the healthy choices. We so quickly forget the abundant riches that we have and long for the things that we think we are missing out on because we are Christians, that we, we murmur like, like children who are trying to grab a sparkling piece of aluminum foil garbage in the water that is just out of their reach. But murmuring is what fallen angels do. And so we pray that in his conflict with our sinful nature, the Holy Spirit may help us to stop murmuring against God, to find that delight in his will again. And knowing this inner struggle within our hearts, our Lord Jesus taught us to regularly and urgently pray to our Father in heaven that he may give us a delight in doing his will, obeying his word, and serving in his kingdom. It is a prayer that the Holy Spirit himself may mold our hearts by his word, first of all, to believe with certainty that Jesus Christ has obtained eternal life for us, to rejoice in our new office and calling as Christians, and to be joyful sons who are as willing as the faithful angels in heaven. The Holy Spirit helps us to stop murmuring by opening our eyes to see the riches that we have in Jesus Christ. He leads us to pray, O oh Father, 
Help us to be content with our office and calling and to delight in our place in the body of Christ, even when we feel that our task may be more arduous and less helpful than others. Save us from the dangerous sin of comparing with others. Give us confidence and peace to know that your will alone is good, and that outside of Christ there is nothing worth desiring, as we sing in Psalm 16. Grant that we may be children who find their greatest delight in doing your will, not for ourselves, not for others, but for your glory, O God. For you placed us in this place at this time to do your will faithfully. This is what the Lord Jesus is teaching us to pray in the third petition, to discern God's will, to delight in his will, and to do God's will. It's important to note that in Jesus' parable, the question is not which son made the father happy all the time, but which son did the will of his father. Doing the will of his father in the context of the parable means entering the kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ. And we confess that this petition is directed to our Father on behalf of of all men. We're praying for, for all men, all people, all the people around us as well. Because we recognize the value of the gifts that God has given to our neighbors, our governing officials, our health professionals, our employers, our employees. Even before we pray for their success, we pray that they may repent of their sins, submit to God, believe in Jesus Christ, and use their gifts and talents in the vineyard of God's kingdom. In Jesus' parable, he shows his grace by waiting until the end of the day to tell us which son obeyed his father. And so even though the unbelievers we pray for might not be obeying God's will right now, we believe that God is patient and can bring them to repentance. The gospel of Jesus' parable is that God can call those who once were living as tax collectors and prostitutes, he can call them obedient children not for what they were before, but because they repented upon hearing the preaching. The prayer that God's will be done is a prayer for ongoing repentance in the hearts of all people. The striking thing in this parable is that Jesus sets the repentance of the public sinners as an example for the religious leaders of his day. The repentance of the first son in the parable makes the disobedience of the second son even worse. Not only did the Jewish religious leaders disobey God's call to believe in Jesus Christ, but even when they saw that the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him, they did not change their minds and believe him. Read that 
in verse 32. They did, and even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. And then we see it. Repenting from our sins is the first part of obedience that brings us through Christ our mediator who forgives our sins and his blood into new life as workers in the vineyard. And this is the common starting point of all men, women, and children in the church in all places in the world. Whether formerly we were living like slaves to the devil in the underbelly of society, or fighting against God in a polished outward gleam of so-called civilized society, or coasting through an outward form of piety on a pew in the church since childhood. Wherever we came from, all Christians are now united together in their repentance from sins that we pray for in the third petition. We are also united in our prayer that we might be faithful now as those who have repented and been forgiven in Jesus Christ. We pray that we may be faithful now, as faithful as the angels in heaven. For us, in a very practical way, being as faithful in the angels as, as the angels in heaven means waking up every morning with the understanding that our task for that day is given to us by God in Christ and for his glory first of all. This drives us to pursue excellence. No matter what our day looks like, we're, we're planning thoughtfully for excellence, to find joy in fulfilling our office and calling to the best of our abilities. We face many challenges each day as we seek to fulfill our office and calling. And we face these challenges of sickness or sorrow or attacks or our own weaknesses as a community. And we encourage one another as children of our Father in heaven to remember that our Lord Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. Perseverance in the faith, in the midst of hardships, is a part of doing God's will. And so when we pray the third petition, we pray that rather than be governed by what we want, and repenting of the desire of always being driven how, by what we want things to look like in the end, we pray that we may simply obey God's commandments in our office and calling, persevering every day of our lives. We pray because we want to trust in God more and more. And as we look ahead now to another week of new things, new ways of schooling, more days of isolation and social distancing, perhaps feel some anxiety and trepidation, we simply pray, O oh Father, may your will be done in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. And may we be faithful in doing what you have called us to do in spite 
of all the changes. May the Holy Spirit help us to do God's will no matter what and to obey the beautiful words of Hebrews 12, verses 12 to 14. We'll read those words together. Hebrews 12, verses 12 to 14. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. May God help us to obey his will with worthy attitudes and actions, repenting when we fail, so that we may remain in Jesus Christ, who is our holiness, our righteousness, and our obedience. Amen. We'll continue this prayer by singing this third petition with the words of hymn 63, stanza 4, standing, if you're able to stand. 